Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Well met, fellow adventurers. I am in Dernstig. And it is time to do the adventure called Top of the Hell. Rumours of a recent sighting in the skies above Dernstig had led you to the base of Ogrehead Hill, a steep, boulder-strewn slope on the fo- in the forest east of the village. Let us begin. When rumours of a dragon sighting over Dernstig reach your ears in the common room of the wary bard, a dilapidated inn on the northern edge of the hard hills, you promptly set out for the small hamlet, eager to discern for yourself the veracity of the intriguing claims. Less than a day after leaving the inn, you arrive in Dernstig. After making several inquiries, hoping to find someone able to collaborate the story of the sighting, you encounter a group of four children eager to tell you they spotted a dragon circling high above the village only three days ago. One of the children, an older boy whose face is almost completely concealed behind a wild mop of dark hair, dark hair, says the dragon flew over Ogrehead Hill and then disappeared. You ask him about the hill and learn that he rises out of the forest just to the east of the village. You thank the children and prepare to set off on your way only to suddenly realise that the boy who told you about the hill is is staring at you expectantly. So I've now got three options. Bid the children farewell or leave, or give a gold token to the older boy, or give a gold token to each child. Give a gold token to each child. That's four gold out of my pouch, but I won't notice it. You present a gold token to each of the four children, again thanking them for telling you about both the dragon and the hill. The two girls and two boys, their faces beaming, stared wide-eyed at the coins for several moments before suddenly dipping into polite bows and thanking you repeatedly. Without further delay, you bid them farewell and set off into the forest east of the village. Only a short walk through the forest east of the village, you reach the base of a steep, boulder-strewn hillock. A narrow path winds its way up through the rocks and trees that cover the towering slope. Making your way towards the foot of the path, you've just begun to wonder how Ogrehead Hill obtained its colourful moniker when two men step out of the brush in front of you. The rocky pair, each clad in a leather jerkin, and holding a wooden cudgel tell you that you cannot go any further. When you question about it, the men raise their cudgels and and step threateningly towards you. You don't need to know any of that, says the tall of the two. Go on then, go on. Go back as you came. That hill's off limits to you. It'll be much safer for you back in the the village. 
very dangerous out in these woods. So I could heed their warning and leave. What happens if I do? As you turn to leave, the taller of the two men unexpectedly leaps forward and swipes out of your hedge with the cudgel. Alright, thank you. Now I won't feel bad if I kill you. <laughs> Pick a random number. Bonus of 30. 20 from agility, 10 from luck. You can get 30 or more, or they'll get the first hit in. But they certainly won't get the last. Pick now. Success. You twist to the side and nimbly duck beneath the deadly swipe of the streaking cudgel. As the two men close in, you hurriedly decide upon your next course of action. I can attempt to flee, but no, no, no. You've attacked first, now to hold my ground and fight. You brazenly draw yourself into combat where he stands, as the two brigands rush forward and attack. It's two brigands. Hmm, hmm. I could subdue them, or I could kill them. Kill or subdue. Kill or subdue. Now, hmm. You know what? You attacked when I wasn't even... You attacked when I wasn't even going into the area that you were guarding. So, you're going to die. The men swipe at you with their cudgels. I stab at them. I enter into a battle wage. Because I'm just furious about the fact that they tried to attack me while my back was turned. And I stab one of them so hard that I just go through and stab the other. They are both slain. 5 XP. After quickly searching the slain men, and finding only their cudgels, armour and a small quantity of gold, you carefully conceal their bodies in the thick brush at the base of the hill. Okay, I've got 27 gold tokens, a sturdy leather gherkin, leather jerkin. Alright, I'll be storing those, and some some generic, some generic leather armour. I'll be storing the leather jerkin in my, in my residence shortly. Without further delay, you make your way to the foot of the path and begin a swift but cautious ascent of the hill. The wind, the path you're following winds up and around the steep, treacherous sides of Ogrehead Hill. Now and again, as you carefully ascend, a section of loose earth gives way beneath your feet. Give me your ever mindful that a tumble down the boulder-strewn slope could prove deadly. After nearly ten minutes, the path abruptly ends at the base of a towering wall of rock that blocks any further progress up the hill. Dangling from above, presumably anchored to something out of sight, is a thick length of rope. The frayed end of the rope is within arm's reach. Gazing up at the intimidating cliff, you surmise it must be at least 30 feet high. Certain there is no other way to reach the summit, you carefully contemplate what will likely prove to be a difficult and dangerous climb, even with the use of the rope. So I could attempt the climb or could abandon the hill, but of course means the adventure's over. And that's no fun for you, or for me, so attempt the climb. Gripping the rope tightly, 
You attempt to climb the steep rock face to the summit of Ogre Head Hill, picking a number. Bonus of 59. 20 from agility, 20 from body, and 19 from woodmanship. I've got to get 55 or more, so I cannot fail. Pick now. 78 is, of course, a success. You manage to climb nearly one, of the, one third of the way up the wall of rock. With your hands and arms aching and your feet hunting for suitable holes on the jaggy cliff face, you, can, you boldly continue upwards. Okay. Pick your number. Same tick again, but now I've got to go 60, so I still cannot fail. Pick now. 125. A success. You've managed to climb almost two-thirds of the way up the wall of rock. Bathed in sweat, with your hands and arms feeling as if they could at any moment give out, you continue to pull yourself upwards, picking a number. Bonus of 59. Now I've got to get 65 or more. So there is a chance that I could slip because my hands are so sweaty. Pick now. 126 success. At last, after a lengthy and grueling climb, you reach the top of the wall and haul yourself over the ja cliff's jagged lip and onto the summit of the hill. The top of Ogre Head Hill is much wider than it seemed from its base. Moving furtively through the band of trees that crowns the forest slope, you soon come upon a strange and unsettling scene. Four men clad in a mix of studded leather and chainmail stand around the blooded carcass of a small dust dragon. You estimate the dragon. Its grey or scale body, perhaps half, perhaps twice the size of a horse. It's less than half grown. The men, three of them brandishing iron-hafted spears and the fourth a heavy axe, stare intently remains of the majestic creature standing a few yards away from the, standing a few yards away near the dragon's head is a tall lanky man in a grimy tattered tunic the tall man thrusts his right hand towards the dragon seconds later a faint blue glow envelops the carcass the glow quickly fades and the man a perplexed look on his gaunt face takes several steps back. Without warning, the dragon snorts as his entire torso convulses violently. The four men quickly step back and level their weapons at the creature. The dragon again snorts, and the man in the tunic frowns as he draws both hands to his temples and closes his eyes. The dragon is alive! Severely wounded, the dragon appears to be just barely clinging to life. The fearsome creature is torso riddled with, with bloody gashes and its white wing badly singed is now snorting rapidly. You're taken aback when the dragon suddenly grunts and struggles in vain to regain its feet. The mage, its bow streaked with sweat and its eyes shut tight, mutters something as its body inches closer to the stricken beast. Almost broken, he announces to his companions, his thin voice barely audible by the dragon's laboured breath. We've nothing to fear from it. Steady on now, just a bit more, and I'll have what I want. Immediately discern that the man you assume to be a mage is attempting 
for reasons unknown, to forcefully read the mind of the wounded dragon. Suddenly, suddenly, and quite unexpectedly, the man furthest to the left turns and spots you. He quickly raises his alarm, and the others, including the man in the tattered tunic, spin in your direction. The man in the tunic quickly orders the others to dispatch you. And leave her body atop the hill, he says. His fin. And leave her body atop the hill, he says. His thin voice almost completely devoid of emotion. Once we take down the rope, no one but the crows will bother this place. Immediately, realising the flight is not an option, you, you use your surrounding terrain to your advantage, quickly positioning yourself to face the four men one at a time. Within moments, the first of four is upon you. It's a spear-wielding brigand. Stab! Stabbed it down in one. Begin. As the fur, as the body of the first man slumps to the ground at your feet, the second of the brigand rushes in and attacks. It's another spear-wielding brigand. Stab! Almost dead. Stab! Dead. 6XB. The third man, seemingly unnerved by the speed with which you dispatched his two cohorts. I think he might just be a bit dim. Turns and flees. Oh no, he's not dim. Dashing across... Across the top of the hill towards the ho the rope that will bear him down into the forest below. The blah, the last of the four, a bearded brute whose thick fingers are wrapped around the haft of a heavy double-bladed axe, curses his companion's cowardness as he defiantly draws within melee range. It's an axe-wielding brigand. The bearded brigand hacks you with an axe, I stab with my stabby stabber, and he is now slain. For another 6xp. The man with the axe tump staggers to the right and slinks to his knees, before slumping to the side and allowing his axe to, to slide onto the ground. At last, ragged, a last ragged breath escapes his blood-spattered blood lips as death claims him. Scattered about him, your feet are the weapons of your three assailants, two sturdy spears and a well-crafted warrior. They will be sold later. Wasting no time, you immediately turn your attention to the dragon. The great beast, its massive size rising and falling, erratically as it struggles to draw breath, makes several weak, futile attempts to rise to its feet. There is no sign of the man in the tattered tunic. Alright, there's some sort of check. Maybe someone's trying to sneak up on me. Pick your number. Bonus of 49. 20 from Aura, 19 from Woodmanship, 10 from Luck. Gotta get 50 or more, or I think I'll be ambushed. Pick now. 83. Success. Out of the corner of your eye, and nearly at the last possible moment, you spot something moving to your right, instinctively drawing yourself into defensive stance. You spin to face what you perceive to be an immediate threat, and turn to find the man in your tunic closing on you, his long arms outstretched and his bony hands weaved in blue flame. He was almost within melee range when he suddenly unleashes a crackling bolt of a sure fire that misses you by mere inches. Before you can even contemplate your next move, the man draws out a long iron wad and lunges at you, swiping at you, swiping at your head 
and I guess most of the west of me, with the heavy weapon. It's a wad-wielding mage. Stab. One stab, and down he goes. You've slain your foe. Ten XP. The, the mage's frail body slumps to the ground at your feet. Stepping back from the corpse, you stare down at the dead sorcerer. And as you swipe a smattering of blood off the white side of your face. A quick search of his remains turns up his iron wad and his, and his only two pieces of savage boar attire, well-crafted iron wad and a sturdy hide belt and hide boots. Oh, and 83 gold. Don't know where the gold was. I guess maybe it was in a pocket. A pocket of, you know, his robe that is just terrible and not even worth scavenging. After making a certain you haven't overlooked anything, you promptly turn your attention to the dragon, only to have your heart nearly skip a beat when a low, laboured murmur comes from the direction of the slain spellcaster. Bewilderment quickly turns to shock as your gaze falls upon the body of the mage. A man you believe to be dead, his cruel eyes now open, move up to meet your horrified stare as a faint smile appears on his lips. I think they'll have another chance at you, he whispers. I can give them that. Your first instinct is to step forward and deal the sinister mage what you hope will be a decisive blow. But an ocean is chased from your mind when a loud hiss, followed swiftly by a ragged moan, erupts from behind you. You spin around and find yourself facing a gruesome sight. Staggering towards you and at an unnerving pace, their blood-chilling chorus of moans soaring into the air are the wizened corpses of the three men you just killed. The, un the unarmed, undead trio is swiftly closing in. A quick glance at the body of the mage reveals he is once again either dead or unconscious. But I don't think either of those are going to stick. With no time to dwell upon the present situation, and no hope of escape, you hurriedly draw yourself into combat-ready stance and prepare to meet the impending attack. Now I can just fight them, or I can use, use necromancy to just tell them to move on. Go to wherever it is that dead people go in this world. And, you know, stay there. Meet your childhood dogs. Necromancy. Succeeded. 4x speed to necromancy. You channel your power of necromancy and focus on the advancing corpses. If you're unable to command the undead trio to halt, you sense you've managed to weaken them. With the corpses now dangerously close, you hurriedly prepare for combat. The first corpse staggers forward and attacks. A sickening, gurgling sound escaping from its throat as it reaches out for you. This is a staggering corpse. Swipes at you, I stab at it, it is slain. 9 XP. The corpse staggers forward and collapses. A ghastly moan escapes from the dead man's mouth as his eyes slowly roll back into his head. You quickly assume a defensive posture as you prepare to engage the next of your undead foes. The second staggering corpse staggers forward and attacks. A sickening, 
gurgling sound escaping from his throat. It reaches out for you. It's another staggering corpse. Staggering corpse swipes at you and is slain. 10 XP. The corpse staggers to the white and collapses. A ghastly moan escapes from the dead man's mouth as his eyes slowly roll back into his head. You quickly draw yourself into combat-ready stance and prepare to meet the advance of the last of your undead assailants. The third and last of the corpses staggers forward and attacks, a sickening, gurgling sound escaping from its throat as it reaches out for you. Begin combat! With the third staggering corpse, it swipes at you, I stab at it, it is slain. Now just, just stay there, stay there. 10 XP. The ghost staggers back and collapses. A ghastly moan escapes from the dead man's mouth as his eyes rolls back as his eyes roll back into his head. Stepping away from the gruesome remains of the last wizened corpse, you turn, only to have your eyes greeted by a strange and unsettling sight. Only a heap of clothing, atop which rested Gratty. A grimy tattered tunic marks the spot where the sorcerer's body lay only moments ago. You immediately scour the hilltop. There is no sign to be had of the sinister mage. I don't know, maybe he turned into a pile of bugs and crawled away. Because apparently that's something that dead people can do. As your eyes return to the pile of attire, a low murmur, something just above a whisper, slips into your thoughts. At first indistinct, words begin to take form out of the strange hiss until a deep, rumbling voice surges through your mind. You quickly cast your gaze into the dragon and are startled to find that the creature's large black eyes are cracked open and fixed on you. The dragon is attempting to speak with you telepathically, not daring to interrupt the low, thundering voice echoing through your head. You listen as the dragon thanks you and reveals the circumstances that led him to the ill-fated confrontation on the hill's summit. You learn that the mage you defeated is a powerful necromancer and a vicious outlaw known only as Lopfarm. Lopfarm? I'm not quite sure how that's pronounced. It's it's, it's spelt L-O-P-H. Lopfarm? Those trail, M A R N. Those trail of atrocities stretches across nearly the entire breadth of the Lordlands. He has twice before escaped my attempts to kill him. Rumbles. He has twice before escaped my attempts to kill him. Rumbles the dragon's voice. That was a long time ago. In the years since, he has become powerful. I made and I have I made no further attempts against him. He is clever and without conscience, a most dangerous combination of traits. He's hunted me for the last several years, but not out of vengeance. Revenge was my game. He wishes to know a secret I have long guarded, a secret I'd hoped to protect by killing him, a secret I will now happily forfeit my life to protect. As you continue to listen to the dragon, you're surprised to learn that he's much older than his small size was seen to indicate. I am no doubt smaller than you would expect, but I am no youngling, 
echoes his voice, his resonance nearly drowning out all other thought. Magic has curses, cursed me, as it does all, all who recklessly wield it. I do not regret knowing his power, but it is impossible to deny it is not deny it has not diminished me, body, mind and spirit. So very weary have I become. Intrigued by what the dragon has thus far revealed, you speak aloud, asking him about the necromancer, the sorcerer you defeated, the mage whose body now vanished. His name not need not be uttered unnecessarily, echoes the dragon's voice in your mind. He seeks to learn from me a secret my kin and I have long guarded. Were he to learn it, it would deliver to him something powerful and terrible. Something not of this world. Something he must never acquire. The dragon's voice falls silent for several moments then. As if having given careful consideration to what he has to say, he continues. I do not owe you. And yet I found I possess profound faith in you, grumbles his voice as his harsh tone enters your mind. I believe I can trust you with what must at long last be done. I am soon to depart this world. It is of little consequence to me what happens after I am gone. I have no governance over such things, but you can prevent a great weakness from taking root if you do what I ask, will you? Oh, yeah, yes, yes, I will. I, I have a feeling I could ask him what he means, but he probably won't tell me until I agree. So agree to do as he asked. You tell the dragon that you agree to do as he asks, and a harsh rumble immediately passes through your mind. The rumble, at first little more than a savage glutteral sound, swiftly reforms itself into the dragon's deep voice. You listen intently as the dragon tells you of a stone box hidden in ancient, in ancient woods, deep within Bentlin Wood. You must, you must retrieve the box and deliver it to Minilor and Talonus, thunders the voice in your head. You will find Minilor at the Westgard Library, but heed what it is I'm about to tell you. You must not open, allow the box to fall into Lothmarm's hands. And you must never open it. Speaking aloud, you ask the dragon why you not open the box. After a lengthy length pause, during which his breathing becomes noticeably less regular, his deep voice again rumbles through your mind. What is within is not for the eyes of the living, echoes his voice. It is most certainly not for those who wish to remain among the living. It is for this very reason Lot Farm wishes to gain possession of it. Know that when the box is in your hands, the temptation to open it, to peer into it, will be great. Perhaps even greater than you believe you, you, you will, your will can withstand. But you must not choose that path. Place it safely away and think no more upon it. Bring it more to Milnor and Talonus. Mirror will know what to do with it. A strange feeling suddenly washes over you. The unsettling sensation quickly evades, leaving you breathless in its wake. The dragon's voice once again tears through your thoughts. The ruins that guard the box 
I'll replace one stone as green stone. Rumbles the voice in your head. Its purpose is history of a time long since forgotten. So too should the relics of that place be forgotten. For they are not tools to be wielded by those whose souls are easily corrupted. I've just given you the key to unlock Greenstone's gates. The key is hidden in your thoughts. It will reveal itself to you when you, when you are before the gate. Struggling to comprehend all that the dragon has just told you, you suddenly realise he has not yet told you the precise location of the ruins. Before you can ask the next question, the dragon's voice again roars through your mind, as he describes for you the location of the ruins in Bent Inwood where the box is to be found. With a clear image of the ruins at the fore of your thoughts, the dragon's voice falls silent. To reach the ruins, travel to Hawklaw and find Bentling Wood under locations near Hawklaw. Then choose Explore Bentling Wood and select Return to a previously discovered location and select The Ruins of Greenstone. Now it has to be pretty thorough of that because of course he has no idea how many adventures you've done first. This could very well be one of your first adventures. After nearly a minute of silence, the, the dragon's deep rumbling voice again echoes through your mind. This time, however, he is using a language utterly foreign to you. It's a harsh tongue of his kin, the ancient speak of dragon kind. His thundering voice, a, towel, a powerful resonance shaking your every thought, slowly fades to a whisper before disappearing altogether. In that moment, you become acutely aware the dragon is breathing his last. A weak, a weak, ragged drop of air, followed by a long, shallow hiss that rapidly slips into a sigh, immediately precedes his passing. It is by your reckoning, an unremarkable, unsatisfying end for a creature so proud, dangerous, and mighty. Standing next to the dead dragon, you close your eyes and whisper a quick prayer, hoping that the departed creature has at last found refuge from those who mercilessly pursued it, and a reply from the pain and violence that marked its last living hours. You step back from the carcass and cast your gaze about the top of the hill. The summit now seems strangely empty. As your eyes wander in and out of the trees that wing the patch of open ground upon which you stand. Patch of ground upon which you stand. You find yourself swinging against a vague sense of unease. Still wary following the sudden disappearance of the slain mage. And a subcretient warning of the drying dragon. You have no desire to linger here. With the location of the ruins emblazoned in your mind. You vow to keep your word to safely retrieve the box, box described to you by the dragon and deliver it safely to Milanor and Talonus. Return to the rope at the top of the rock wall and stare down at the base of the cliff 30 feet below. After making certain the rope is still properly anchored, you grip it with both hands and lean back, lean back into a rather precarious position with, with your feet against the rock face as you begin a careful descent, picking a number, 
Bonus of 59. 20 from agility. 20 from body. 19 from woodmanship. Going to get 65 or more. Or at the very least, get serious won't burn. Pick now. 146 success. A short but arduous climb climbs you safely down the rock face to the base of the cliff. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. After nearly a minute, having sufficiently recovered from the descent, you prepare to make your way back down the hill. Turning away from the towering wall of rock, you're about to begin a careful descent along the steep track when the sound of something moving in the nearby undergrowth freezes you in mid-step. You instinctively draw yourself into a defensive stance as your eyes scour the surrounding brush for any sign of what you fear may be an impending outbush. You assail sharply and lower your ground as your ambushes suddenly spill from the outgrowth onto the steep path. The four children you met in Turnstig, two girls and two boys standing in the middle of the track, their arms folded defiantly. Wide grins adorn their faces, suggesting they've taken no small amount of pressure of pride and having nearly sneaked up on you. Before you can ask them what they're doing here, they launch a volley of questions at you, most of them concerning the dragon they believe you came here seeking. The older of the two girls, her eyes fixed on the rope hanging down the wall of rock behind you, asks if you've been into the top, been to the top of the hill, whether or not you found the dragon. Uh, well, I can tell them I found the dragon, or didn't find the dragon. Well, I might as well just tell them the truth. Because I feel even if I don't tell them I found the dragon, they'll probably think there might be a dragon anyway. Because I'm not good at lying. Tell them you found the dragon. The children listen with widening eyes, as you describe for them, leaving out the gruesome details. You encounter with the drying dragon on top of the hill. You assure them the Creasefoot picture is now peacefully at rest and no longer suffering. Realising your account may have irrevocably stirred their curiosity. You quickly state that no one should attempt to climb the summit and disturb the dragon's remains. Despite your stated position, the small gang continues to gaze thoughtfully up towards the summit. When the oldest of the children, the lad you first, the man who first mentioned old coach you, steps forward and peers up at the end of the dangling boat, immediately stern, the dangerous notion that he and perhaps the others may be entertaining. With only a small, small amount of effort, disturbingly thought small to your mind, you manage to yank the rope free thus dashing the dangerous aspirations of the brazen band gathered at the base of the cliff. Ignoring their groans of disapproval, you crawl up the rope and place it amongst your belongings. I have a length of rope. It's got an encumbrance of two, so it will be going into my residence very shortly. You use this sturdy length of rope to scale a high wall of rock and reach the summit of Ogre Head Hill in the forest east of Dernstig. 
before setting off to the Durnstig, and after making certain, children understand they will be accompanying you. You gently admonish them about the dangers of roaming about in the wilds, even so close to the village. I mean, I encountered six bandits. Bandits on the way to that dragon. Having begrudgingly and likely only temporarily accepted your authority, the children head, head quickly down the hill and move back towards the village. Leaving you struggling to keep pace. Their incessant chatter wings through the forest as they trek steadily along, stopping now and again to closely examine some innocuous woodland feature would have never bothered to notice. When you reach the outskirts of Durnstig, you bid your small companions farewell and set off on your way, hopeful that they've taken your friendly warning to to heart, but not naive enough to be even remotely. 256 experience the general for finishing this part of the adventure and it tells you again how to get to the next part just in case you forgot but going to go to my sort small dwelling to save and then off to Bentley Wood and I'm there following the directions given to you by the dragon you plunge into Bentley Wood and make your way into the northeast region of the sprawling forest there. Tucked into a shallow, tangled vale, its crumbling remnants covered with moss and half buried in the earth, is the skeleton of a once imposing structure. These are the ruins of Greenstone, an ancient Avari keep long ago reclaimed by the forest. Somewhere in these ruins, lies the stone box you've come here to recover. You're standing amidst the ruins of Greenstone, an ancient Avardi keep, deep within the tangled heart of Bent Limwood. Near the centre of the ruins, the bottom of a steep track, is a set of tall iron gates sealing off a wide corridor that leads into the lower level of the once grand fortress. Well, if it's that important, they must have probably put it in some sort of basement. Despite their age, the massive gates bear no sign of corrosion. Up to the gates, have a look. As you step up to the gates, a harsh whisper suddenly runs, rushes through your head. You immediately recognise the whisper as identical to the sound you heard while in the presence of the dying dragon atop overhead hill. With a loud groan and a shudder, a series of shudders, the ornate iron gates swing outward, opening just wide enough to allow you to slip through. Step through the gates. You step through the open gates. They've got only a dozen yards along the passage when a loud groan rises from behind you. Instinctively, you spin around and discover, to your dismay, the iron gates have closed. Glancing to your left and right, you take a load of large, faced a stone figure standing inside tall alcoves on either side of the corridor. The arms of the two figures are raised, as if they're holding up a ceiling. Oh no, it's statues! And if there's one thing that you notice as an adventurer, is that statues often come to life and try to kill you. They just do. It's just something that happens. No one knows quite why. 
the arms of the two figures are raised as if they're holding up the ceiling. Suddenly, a deafening shudder, quickly followed by a sharp crackling sound, fills the passage as the two towering figures of stone begin to move. Look! <laughs> they're coming to life! They're going to try to kill me! Retreating several yards to the east, hoping it will put you out of harm's way, you watch as the massive statues step out of their alcoves and move to stand in front of the iron gates. You struggle to quell a writhing, rising wave of panic when you realise the stone Benamoths, their arms crossed and their faceless heads stuck tilted towards the floor, are now blocking your way out. You're at the western end of a large of a long, broad corridor, several yards from the iron gates, through which you enter these lower ruins. Standing before the gate, blocking your way out, their arms folded and their faceless heads tilted towards the floor are two towering stone statues. So an attempt to move past the statues, but maybe if I solve some sort of puzzle in here, it would get them either to bugger off or let me pass. Or maybe even just fall apart. Head east along the passage. Elaborate engravings of dragons adorn the damp walls of these wide, dark passages. Now again, you're overcome by the eerie feeling that unseen eyes are upon you. Hmm. What is this, some sort of dragon temple? Alright. Well, I'm, I'm very close to the western side. Alright, now, now we've got a crossroads. This dungeon is it's a very small dungeon. It has, has a central east to west corridor and then an east to west corridor to the north and south. And then there are two north-south corridors connecting them. The east-west corridor, the middle east-west corridor is longer. Okay, let's just go explore the north, the northwest corridor which teeps off to the end. A thick square of iron is attached to the wall here. A narrow vertical slot runs through the centre of, this, of the dark pitted plate. Well, there's an item to be used here, but I haven't found it yet. Alright, let's keep exploring. And in the southwest corner, there's a corridor. A thick square of iron is attached to the wall here. A narrow vertical slot runs down the centre of the dark pitted plate. Protruding from the slot is a long, square, green stone lever. The lever is pulled all the way down. Well, I'll pull it up. No reason to. No reason not to. Just do it anyway. Pull the lever up as far as it will go. Head back east. Okay. I think I've got to find a lever first. A skeleton clad in studded leather armour lies sprawled out against the wall in this section of the passage. You can only summarise these the remains of some intrepid adventurer who long ago entered these corridors never to leave. Perhaps another one that was sent by the dragon earlier on? Hmm. But then just things just didn't work out well. Presumably, and that's why the dragon really didn't try again to get the box and then have it delivered to where it can be stored or or hidden or disbanded or exiled to the deeper deepest depths of the Everest or in some way made not harmful. 
Well, let's look at this skeleton anyway. You know, it's 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 it's, it's the agreement that you make as an adventurer. You you get to search other adventurers' corpses, but it's the understanding that if you die, other adventurers can get to search your corpse. Cause uh, it's been very one-sided for Sir Quilkington because uh, she hasn't died yet. Search the skeleton. So, a, a thorough search of the skeletal remains turns up a long green stone wad and a half-rotted pouch filled with gold. Believing the wad may somehow prove to be of use, you promptly take possession of it. It's a green stone wad. That'll probably be the lever in the northwest corner. You discover this long, thin, square length of greenish stone on the skeletal remains of a dead adventurer in the ruins of greenstone. I'm going to use it so it'll be on the quick use, quick use panel and 18 gold tokens. Having concluded your search, you take a few moments to adjust your gear, once again setting off along the corridor. Alright. Alright, and a thin Alright, between the. I've got between. I'm on a corridor between the east and the west north south corridors. A thin column of silver light stabs down out of the gloom ahead. And splashes onto the stone floor in this section of the passage. I guess something will cause it to change colour. Right, and at the end of the middle passage, you're standing at a small alcove just to the east of the junction of the two wide passages. On an ornate stone pedestal, its size adorned with an engraved scene that depicts dragons perched on snowy mountain peaks stands against the far wall. Westing atop the pedestal is a small, square stone box, no bigger than your hand. You immediately realise that the rather unremarkable container is the very object you've come here seeking. As you cautiously approach the pedestal, a fierce golden glow suddenly envelops it. You quickly discern that the pulsing aura, now emitting a faint hum, is some sort of magical barrier long ago set in place to protect the stone box. And of course, that, that's on top of the protection that the gates will only open if you have some sort of magic key inscribed in upon you. Attempt to take the stone box. This will certainly hurt, but I'll do it anyway. You attempt to reach for the stone box, but your hands are forcibly repelled by the pulsing golden glow surrounding the pedestal. Okay, didn't actually hurt. I thought it would hurt, but it didn't. Head back west. All right. Alright, explore the northeast corner, nothing there. Okay, I've been pretty much everywhere in this dungeon now. Right, northwest corner. Use the greenstone wad. 16 XP to general. You draw out the greenstone wad and insert it into the slot at the centre of the iron plate. After fidgeting it for nearly a minute, you hear a sharp click as the wad snaps into the fern grip of some unseen fitting. Yeah, it's back in its place now. The stow lever is in its rightful spot and once again functional. Now that makes me wonder, now did the adventurer take out the wad? Or perhaps there was an earlier, when the dungeon was first set up, there was a puzzle to 
to put both wads in place, and he only and this adventurer only managed to put one wad in place before it was something happened. Something. Maybe it succumbed to its to its wounds that it got from presumably some sort of random encounters that used to be here, or something like that. Or maybe it tried to fight those two big statues. The stone lever is in the rightful spot, and once again functional. Pull the lever up. You push the lever up as far as it will go. Alright, let, let's have a look at, at that, that aura. Pale red light. Alright, how about I'm going to pull the both levers down now. Pull the lever down. Alright, and now the northwest lever, pull that down, see what happens. Pull the lever down as far as it will go. Alright, I've tried up, I've tried down. It's a blue light now. Uh, still, can't, still can't take the box. Alright, alright, I'm gonna try just one, just the top, just the bottom one up. Okay, what colour have we got here? Golden! Hmm. Alright, golden light. A wide column of golden light stabs down out of the gloom overhead and splashes onto the stone floor in the middle of this section of the passage. Okay, I should be able to get the box now. Tape the stone box. 64 XP to general. A sense of elation watches over you as your hands pass through the glowing barrier and close around the stone box. The curious container, despite being only slightly larger than your hand, is remarkably weighty. It's a stone... Well, not my hand. My hand is small. It's probably about the size of my head, then. It's a stone box, but my head is small. View. This small stone, it's remarkably weighty, but somehow has an encumbrance of zero. Because. This small stone box, which fits, ne nearly fits, nearly fits into the palm, would nearly fit into the palm of a regular hand, is an item of importance retrieved from the ruins of Greenstone. A thin, hinged stone lid tops the one remarkable container. You thus far resisted the temptation to lift its lid and peer inside. Must resist. I will probably die. You're instructed. You're as instructed. Instructed by the dying dragon, you deliver this box to someone named Milanor at at the Westgard Library in Talamus. Turning over the box in your hand, you observe that it bears no distinctive markings. The box is thin, hinged stone lid rattles slightly. As you make your examination, oh, you just, just, oh, you're tempting me. There's a rattling. The object in your, of your mission is now in your possession. After making certain the box is safely tucked, tucked in amongst your other belongings, you turn away from the pedestal and head back west along the corridor. All right, let's get out of here quickly. Now, but will those statues let me pass or will I have to fight them? At the end of the passage come as the end of the passage comes into a view to the west, a series of series of loud groans suddenly erupts through the darkness. 
The towering statues guarded the iron gates emerged from the gloom and stomped towards you, their footfalls sending small tremors through the door. In a matter of moments, the massive stone guardians will be upon you. Oh, of course. Of course they're going to fight me, because statues are always coming to life and trying to kill people. And that's why you, you do not build statues of nasty people. Because they will come to life and try to kill people. It's just what happens. Hold your ground and engage the statues. As you step forward to engage the statues, the faceless behemoths moves to surround you. And the stone box in your possession begins to tremble. Alright, it's two guardian statues. It's grey difficulty, so that means it's almost certainly scaled. Because it's very unlikely that something would have 340 MR when it's several years old. For, you know, for regular adventure, there's actually pretty low level. Begin combat. Two guardian statues. Yeah, and their health is pretty low too. The massive statue swatted you. And they're nearly done. And they are slain. 39 XP. Two heaps of rubble in the centre of the corridor. All that remains of the statue guardians. While making a quick search through the debris, you suddenly notice something you haven't before noticed. The back of the alcove in the north wall out of which one of the statues had stepped. It's a small opening, just big enough. Just big enough for you to squeeze through. Using your light to investigate the opening, you discover it leads to a large circular room. You carefully slip through the opening and find yourself standing in a circular room amidst a large cache of items. Guess this is my prize for defeating the statues. Many of the things heaped in piles about this large room have been spoiled by the damp air and the passage of time. Though a search of what remains turns up the following. It's some loot. It's pretty modest loot, but maybe it'll get better as I keep scrolling down. Ooh, exceptional splint gauntlets. And a well-crafted wing helm. This will probably sell for... Some couple of thousand total, maybe. Four trinkets worth 31 gold. At the edge of the chamber, beneath a pair of crumbling shields, you discover a, an unlocked chest containing a large quantity of gold. 1,376 1, gold tokens. After taking one last look around the room, you slip back out, out through, slip it out through the narrow opening, Break your way up to the iron gates. You're surprised and relieved to find the gates are no longer locked. A gentle push is all that's necessary to open them. You take a quick look over your shoulder, allowing your eyes to follow the passage as it plunges into the gloom. Before stepping through the gates and making your way to the steep track, up the steep track and into the ruins, the top of the path you pause to make a final check of your equipment taking care to make certain the stone box is secured amongst your belongings. <coughs> As you turn to head out of the ruins, a thin, chilling voice issued from somewhere to the white sends your pulse racing. So you've done it. Quite impressive. 
before you spin to face the tall figure standing amidst the top of columns you recognize the voice of Lothar the necromancer whom you last encountered atop Ogre Head Hill folds his arms as his bright eyes meet your gaze the sorcerer again clad in ragged attire seems paler his features sunken and distorted he holds up his hand as if to signal the lack of any hostile intention shocks you by asking you for your forgiveness I mistook you for an ally of the dragon at our last meeting I never had the chance to make my side of things plain he says for that and for the rest of it I humbly seek your pardon the entire situation was most unfortunate Perhaps you will be most gracious enough to hear what I have to say. Okay, agree to hear him out. Lothar, his thin voice at times little more than a harsh whisper, tells you the dragon he pursued to, to Ogrehead Hill was, like most of his kin, a cruel, deceptive and dangerous creature. Hmm, I don't know. Out of the three, let's see, out of the dragons I've met in this game so far, two of them have been fairly decent, one of them was utterly vile, and one of them was sort of sort of neutral. I don't know if Sir Croken has bought that one yet, but there's, there, there's an adventure where you just raid a dragon's lair. That's a sort of neutral dragon. Yes, it's just tried to kill you, but you're wading its lair. So, castle doctrine and all that. I practice the dark. God, he said, his tone unapologetic. But I do so without malice. I realise my actions atop the hill that day would suggest otherwise, but please know that, driven by the sorcerer's smart sighs and smiles, for you sense the expression has been forced. The box you've been sent to fetch is something that must not have its care entrusted to a living soul, he says. It must be destroyed, though its end cannot be brought about by any conventional means. It's evil, not of this world. To whom have you been told to deliver it? Deliver it? Think again upon the dragon. McClaw killing his world. Surely it's not speak of destroying the box. How could he? He wishes to use its power to cheat death. To unlock a secret that might drag an entire age into ruin. Will you allow it? Lothar places his hands on his hips and exhales sharply. Give the box to me and I will see it destroyed. Its power to corrupt holds no sway over him. Alright, so I can give him the box, refuse to give him the box, or just attack him. Now I know he's a bad one. I mean, we've quite clearly we've quite clearly seen he's he command he uses bandits, he, he net necromancy, he tortures dragons. We haven't we haven't really seen enough of him to be sure of anything else though. What does divination say? Four XP to divination. You sense that while some of what Lot Farm has told you is true, he's also being deceitful. It quickly becomes apparent that the mage's formidable will is barring you from discerning more. Well, uh, I think this will go very badly, but I'm going to give him the box. 
With no desire to have anything further to do with the stone box, you hand the container to Vlotfarm, the necromancer, his gaunt face betraying little emotion, thanks you as he takes possession of the box. After placing the box in the leather bag hung from his belt, the necromancer thanks the, necrom the sorcerer thanks you. You've made a sound decision, he says, clapping his hands together he steps back. You are wiser by far than that scaled beast I left to die. The necromancer, his eyes suddenly ablaze, throws, throws his arms skyward, before addressing you a final time, mutters a strange word. We will meet again. Lotfar makes a hasty retreat, and the patch of ground between you and the departing sorcerer suddenly erupts, as bone hands begin to twist their claw their way out of the earth. The necromancer, his gaunt face twisted into a hideous spire, Smile stops when he reaches the street. What, what, you've got what you want. You don't need to attack me. The seven skeletons, their bones still bearing the clinging remnants of their earthen tombs, climb out of the ground and quickly draw themselves into a semicircle formation. The undead Lotfarm has just summoned the ancient warriors who were. The, the undead Lotfarm has just summoned the ancient warriors who once guarded Greenstone. He suavely as their fleshless digits tighten around the hilt of their rusted blade. The necromancer lowers his arms and slinks off to the forest, with the stone box now in his possession. Leaving you to face the gruesome legion answers his call. The unnerving swiftness, the skeletal legion closes on you, their vile hissing echoing throughout the ruins. You hopefully draw yourself into a defensive stance as the first of the undead warriors closes in. Fighting Skeleton 1 of 7 the skeleton swings its rusted blade at you and is slain. 10 XP. The sharp sound of splintering blows assails your ears as the skeleton crumples into a heap at your feet. Retaining your combat ready stance, you defiantly engage the next skeleton. Skeleton 2 of 7. It's the same as the first one. On to number 3. Next skeleton. And number 4. Here we go. Number five and number six. No, I just the last of the seven skeletons. Its rusted sword poised to strike, staggers forward and attacks, strings its rusted blade and is slain. Ten XP. into the sharp sound of splintering bone assails your ears. The skeleton crumples into a heap at your feet. The seven skeletons are now little more than scattered heaps of splintered bone. The ancient guardians of Greenstone. Recalled from their west by Lothram's dark sorcery, who never again walk among the living. Much to your dismay, the necromancer, who now possesses the stone box, is nowhere to be nowhere in sight. Feel thankful to survive the unexpected encounter. You're never less dismayed at realisation. It's no longer possible to complete your task of delivering the box. After sufficiently recovering from battle, you spend a few minutes tending to your gear and gathering your bearings before setting off through the forest. 128 experience to general. And that is the end of that quest. Maybe not the best end, but an end. An end for sure. Now, I could... 
I could go back to a previous save. Previous save and try to have the box delivered. But I also don't know if that's the right thing to do. Or maybe the right thing to do was just to leave the box there. Well, apparently, at least you have those two big statues stopping people from getting it. Yeah. Alright, I'm going to save now. So, next time, if we haven't finished we haven't finished the Crumbling Tower by then, we'll be exploring Tarkov's Crypt. But until then, farewell, fellow adventurous. <laughs>